0: Welcome inside the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, recording a little bit later today. Decided to do it a bit differently and do it after the game, so we get instant analysis from myself and Brandon Piller, who's joining me all the way from the left coast. So, had the luxury of watching the game nice and early today. We'll also get into the Tankathon, thon some new trade rumors. We'll get into the clash with Ron Hainsey and more. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast Your team, every day. Today is Thursday, February 13th. And Pilsy, the score might be secondary tonight. 3-2 is that. But Mark Borowiecki went down. And DJ Smith, after the game, said they'll know more on Friday. Yeah, what a huge loss. I mean, it's nice for the Sens to
1: finally get a win on home ice for all 9,700 and so fans that were in attendance for this one. But huge loss losing Boro, and especially since he's just coming back to the team after uh, him and his wife uh, just gave birth to their first son. So hate to see a guy with that much heart and soul go down like Boro, and especially in such an awkward uh, situation like that. So... Prayers up that Boro is not out too long, especially with trade deadline looming. We're going to get into the clash with Ron Hainsey and some other possible defensemen that could be on
0: the move for the Ottawa Senators. So, got to get him back in the lineup. Spin zone, if he's hurt just past the deadline, it means even if they were going to make a mistake and move him, now he might be even more likely to resign. But you said that the way it looked was not good. Your ankle's not supposed to bend like that. But we've also seen Boro go through some gruesome injuries where you think it's going to be long-term. And next thing you know, you look at the Sens bench, expecting there to be an extra bit of room on the defensive end. And there's Boro. Ready to get out there for his next shift. I thought, he, and he's—I mean, it goes without saying—he's been so consistent this year, so good, adding this offensive element to his game. It'd be a huge loss for the team, and I'm sure in the locker room, you know, having him around every day, just uh, kind of a model human being. So uh, you hear always such praise from his team, and you mentioned the clash. If if Ron Hainsey. Uh, this could affect him needing some veterans down the stretch, some NHL bodies. So as you mentioned, prayers up to Boro. Hopefully he's, uh, you know, back heel quick. I got to say a bit of an emotional boost, though. If you are going to be sitting at home with a high ankle sprain, you got a little baby you can cuddle with and, and get to know right away. Uh, getting into the actual hockey game, and it was a quick start for your Ottawa Senators. Two goals, and it was the guys you wanted to see offensively contributing it was the assist by drake batherson on the first goal and the tip by brady kachuk on the second pilsey take us through the first 10 minutes of that hockey game first
1: off we gotta give uh, praise to drake batherson what an amazing play like that kind of awareness to it banks off the boards and he quickly checks over his shoulder sees mestikov racing into the slot and without even kind of cradling it or stopping the puck as soon as he makes contact with that puck he scoops it off in front of the slot and Mestikov buries it to give the Sens that quick one nothing lead. I don't know about you Ross but Drake Batherson has looked a lot better with each game that passes by and he's really making a case uh, proving that he deserves to stay up in the NHL and that's his sixth assist on the season, and he seems to do really good at, at the CTC as well. So, nice to see him start the scoring there. And then Brady Kachuk, just this guy in front of the net always. And that Shabbat shot was going well wide. I, I think it's fair to say that was a set play that he knew Brady was going to tip that. And speaking of Batherson, uh, they've actually had a couple times where Batherson knows that Brady's in front and will uh, send a perfect shot to the net for Brady to tip so, Brady's becoming a bit of a, uh, it's kind of like a Thomas Holmstrom type guy who just excels in front of the net at screening and getting tips. So, you love to see Brady get his 17th of the year.
0: I like that that comparison, the Thomas Holmstrom. I tweeted out from our Twitter account. You can always follow us there at Send Central that there has to be some way we can pay extra and get an ISO cam of Brady Kachuk from the moment he steps foot on the ice until his shift ends. I know Keith and Chantal Kachuk would appreciate it. I mean, they're at most of the games anyways, but I think all us fans would too, because he's such a high event player. He's always stirring it up, getting it. Oh, imagine it was mike would How much would you pay for that? Oh,
1: that'd be great. Especially, that'd be premium content on uh, Sens and Flames days to have both Kachuk's iso-cammed and mic'd up. And you mentioned high event player, Ross. How's this for high event? Five hits, five blocks. This guy, he's just a heart and soul guy that uh, I'm sure he's learned a lot of that kind of style from a guy like Boro, like we mentioned. So Brady Kachuk with another good game, and he helps lead this team to a big W here at, at the CTC.
0: And Brady Kachuk, who's also sixth in the National Hockey League in shots on goal, only had one tonight. But it went in, so... I guess, moot point. Nick Paul, it was nice to see him get back on the score sheet. He's had um, a slow return, I would say, to the lineup, and that's to be expected after he also went through a high ankle sprain, so he knows what Borough's been through. But it's his first goal in 2020 after he finished 2019 with goals in back-to-back games, finishing with that two-goal performance at Pittsburgh. So nice to see Nick Paul get... Uh, back on the score sheet. He could be an important piece down the stretch.
1: Oh, absolutely. Especially with uh, some veteran guys on expiring deals like Ennis uh, being moved. Nick Paul is definitely going to get some more ice time. Or a guy like we just mentioned, Nemestikov, could also get moved. So, Nick Paul, he's got a real chance here. And after years and years of waiting to see if the sort of the prime piece of the Jason Spezza trade was going to pan out. It seems like he is a legit NHL player, and I'm glad he's got a place in Ottawa because hopefully he'll be sticking around for quite a while.
0: More time on the ice for Nick Paul. Last time for Colin White now in back-to-back games under 10 minutes for the first two times under coach DJ Smith in Colorado. He played just a shade under 10 minutes, 9.57. And Pillsy you said he was down even more tonight. Ross,
1: when you got a guy like Colin White who he just signed to a massive deal. If you look on Cap Friendly right now, he's currently with Bobby Ryan, uh, uh, not with the team. He's currently the highest-paid forward at four point seven five million for the next six years, and he's essentially your fourth-line center. Well, he is your fourth-line center, playing only eight minutes and thirty-eight seconds a night. Man, that starts to get really worrisome, eh?
0: It's it's worrisome to the point where. You might have to take advantage. Not often you can see guys who are already out of their entry-level contract. You think back, it it all happened because he left school at Boston College early, played those two games at the end of 2016-17, and subsequently those big two minutes in the postseason in the one game (laughs) against Pittsburgh. But because he burned that extra year, he's still eligible to go down to Belleville without requiring waivers. So I think that's something you have to think about. A lot of people are saying no in a year that doesn't matter. It's better for him to get the reps at the NHL level and maybe fail upwards or, or learn from his mistakes. But at some point, don't you have to make uh, a tough decision? And would it be the worst thing if here before the trade deadline, you get a little bit of a look at a Josh Norris or another look at a Logan Brown. I just think that his confidence is there was a stretch there where for a few games, you could agree it was snake bit, but there's clearly a disconnect between white and the coach or else he'd be playing more uh, up towards his season average, which is much, much higher. And that's not where he's at right now. So, unless the coaches are just going to work them through this, what else can you do?
1: I'm not really sure. And you you would think with Colin White playing on a fourth line, he's getting those easier matchups. You think he would be able to at least generate some sort of offense. He had two shots on net tonight, but he hasn't really been a difference maker, even with those uh, uh, easier matchups. But when you're only on the ice for just over eight minutes, it's tough to get in a groove. And, I think you may be onto something, Ross. It may not be the worst idea to send a guy like Colin White down to the American Hockey League, mostly just to get his confidence back. We know what he can do, we've seen it. I mean, when he was back uh, in Belleville, I think only one or two games, he looked really good. And consider a situation. I mean, it's a little bit different because Colin White's, uh, like you said, no longer on his entry level deal. But look at a guy like uh, Kotka. That's a, it gets me every time. But he uh, went to Laval, had a good attitude about it. It was well reported in the media that he was excited for a chance to develop and uh, work on his skills in the AHL. And he's been doing pretty good with Laval. So I don't think it's crazy to send Colin White down, especially with how hot this Belleville team is. But I'm still, I don't like the idea of Josh Norris coming up quite yet. I think you keep him down there uh, as an AHL rookie. I don't think there's any sense bringing him back up. Maybe we'd get a look at uh, Logan Brown coming back up, a guy with his size, and he's been playing good uh, when he has been in the lineup for Belleville. So that's an option. But personally, I'd like to see Josh Norris finish the season and uh, take the Belleville Senators all the way to the Calder Cup this year.
0: There, there's a bit of a difference, though. You just get Barry Cock in the Emmy, third overall pick, 19 years old, Colin White we're talking about a 23 year old at this point who's played in almost 150 NHL games. So I don't think his development is quite yet where it will be, but in 2 years it will.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just meant in a sense that like it's it's something that shouldn't be looked at as a demotion, but just uh an a chance to develop your skills and gain some confidence. Like Sure, you want to be, when you have a contract like that, you're 23 years old, you've played in the NHL, you're out of your entry-level deal, you want to be in the NHL, but like you said, at some point, push comes to shove and it's just not working having him as a fourth-line center. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Colin White, uh, but I think
0: something's got to change here. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On Network to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Senators Podcast is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Ottawa Senators fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Ottawa Senators fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here, right here on this Locked On podcast. We'd love to have you. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team Achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. It'll be just as interesting to see what happens with Jean-Gabriel Pajot, another kind of daily talking point on our show, but there's another centerman now on a team that I believe was already interested in Jean Gabriel Pajot, and that's the New York Islanders. Casey Cizikas, um is, is the latest. I mean, we already talked about it in the last show. Codri out in Colorado, McDavid out for a couple weeks in Edmonton. Th- this you'd think would help Pajot's value. On the other hand, maybe the fact that Pajot's offensive a hot streak that I don't think is a surprise to people who watched him for years came dwindling down just six points, three goals in his last 16 games, 17 now after tonight. Um, but Bruce Garriach at the intermission on the TSN broadcast said, maybe teams are offering about a second round pick right now. Um, does the fact that maybe te- other teams have slowed down on him uh, th- think that maybe this four or five year term with, An an AAV over four is is a bit exaggerated. Where do you think that uh, the fact that his value maybe isn't where people thought is going to affect his contract if the Sens decide to go that route? Well, it's interesting
1: because, I mean, we've all been following along uh, TSN trade bait and all the talks coming up to the trade deadline. And Bob McKenzie talked about a situation with Chris Kreider, how the New York Rangers are kind of towing that line between are we going to trade him? What are the trade offers that are available? Or are we going to sign him? Let's get into extension talks with his agent. And then we're going to line those two options up and see what works better. I think that's pretty much what you have to do with Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And it's tough. You mentioned uh, uh, years looking four and five years long. You don't really want to give a guy like Pajot that kind of term. You'd be comfortable paying him for three years uh even if you have to overpay him to kind of give that buffer period for your prospects. But really, Pajot doesn't want that either because he doesn't want to leave a contract uh, being 30 years old. He wants to cash in big on this contract. So it's going to be really tough for the Senators. But I think with the weak trade bait board and a lot of teams looking for Centermen, I think the New York Islanders makes a lot of sense. If you're looking at their roster now, um, the Centermen that they have, it would be a great upgrade for them. Derek Brassard is one of their guys and Sens fans. We know him. Well, he's only making 1.2. He kind of got left behind at the uh, off season. So they could get a guy like Pajot and they have the cap space that they could give him a decent contract and he would be a good sentiment for them. And they have so many good prospects that they could send the other way. So I think that's a trade that makes a lot of sense for the Sens, and, Personally, I would love to keep Pajot, but it gets to a point where if teams are so desperate and the demand is so high, I think you almost have to trade him as a rebuilding team.
0: Who could blame Jean-Gabriel Pajot if he wants to cash in? 27 years old, coming off a career year, it's his time. If, if he wants to uh, go the free agency route, and who would blame Of course, we hope here that uh, that he stays with the Ottawa senders great ambassador for the city. From one homegrown talent To another, it seems like there's no room, really, for Max Verona. It's too bad. He was a sought-after free agent coming out of college last season at Princeton. He comes home to Ottawa, finishes the year, I thought, pretty well uh, with the Senators. Played in just over 10 games, I think, had a couple goals. Um, But really struggled to get in a groove in the Belleville lineup, mixing that line of not having too, too many young players on the youngest AHL team. Um, but it he it came out in Elliot Freeman for Sportsnet his latest thirty one thoughts that he has asked for a trade and the Sens are going to try to uh, um, accommodate him. So, do you think that it's more of a try to get a draft pick for him, or will he just be used as a a sweetener in a different trade? Well, I think
1: really, if you're the Senators, you have no problem uh, granting this trade request from Max Verano because. Really, it's found money, right? Like, he was a signed college free agent. He he looked okay with the Senators last season when he kind of finished out the season with them. But I don't know about you, Ross, but he hasn't really been a factor in the American Hockey League, mostly just because he's been buried in the lineup with this... Uh, offensive firepower that the Belleville Senators have and they keep continuing to roll along. So I think it'd be fair to him to get a chance to at least uh, either be a fringe NHLer or be a top six player for another team's minor league system. The guy's 24 years old. He really needs to look for a chance to develop and prove what he can do. Um, So I would like to add him as a sweetener because what are you really going to get if you're looking for a draft pick? Maybe you return uh, the fourth or fifth round pick that the Sens traded to get Nemestikov and Mike Riley. Maybe you could try to get those back. But with the amount of draft picks that the Senators have this year, I really don't think you're in the hunt to try to get fourth and fifth round draft picks when you've got two first rounders and three second round picks. Uh, so I think, yeah, you'd maybe add him to a Pajot trade. And Before we fully move on, Ross, what do you think about the idea that maybe the Sens trade Pajot and he doesn't sign an extension with his new team,
0: and then they look at re-signing him in the offseason? I think it sounds great, but how many times has that actually happened?
1: Yeah, I was trying to rack my brain thinking of that. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but when you're a hometown guy who's played his entire career and you know that the Sens are on their way to years of unparalleled success... Uh, maybe Pajot would be tempted to try to cash in, uh, or not cash in, but go to a contender in the trade deadline, try to go for a cup, and then come back and be a key veteran guy in this rebuilding team. And who knows, if he does end up signing a five-year deal, maybe he gets a bit of that success at the tail, tail end of that uh, contract when these guys are like Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, and hopefully... One of the one or two of the first round picks that the Senators have this year become major franchise difference makers. And this team could have a lot of success with Pajot bouncing up and down the lineup uh, as a centerman.
0: Yeah, I'd like it just as much as the next guy, but it's just a matter of what the dollars and cents add up to. Um same question I think could be said for Anthony Duclair every game because he is due for another contract and he's under team control unlike Jean Gabriel Pajot and his goal of streak extended once again what's it at Pillsy 17 games now
1: I think it's at 18 or 19 18. now I, I think know. it was
0: 18 I, after tonight
1: Yeah and I know he hasn't scored it was December 21st they showed the highlight of the goal that he last scored against Philly and He scored three games straight in that stretch and then hasn't scored since. And in a contract year, like, that's got to be eaten away at you, especially when you know, finally, you're hitting a groove with the team after he's been with so many teams throughout the year, and you're 24 years old, and you're a restricted free agent. So you need as much leverage as you can get. Because, I mean, if I was a betting man, I'd say the Sens are definitely going to take him to arbitration, uh, seeing as he is an RFA, so... That's just tough for Anthony DeClaire. But if you're a Sens fan trying to find some silver lining here, I guess it's a good thing that he started the season hot, he looked good, but then slowed down at the end because then that kind of stays in the memory of everybody when you're looking at contract negotiations. So maybe you get him on a cheaper deal than if he kept pushing this pace. I remember at one point we were talking, this guy might get 40 goals on a rebuilding team. It would just be crazy. And the amount of money that he could at least try to go for, if he was a 40-goal scorer, would be much more substantial than if he finishes mid-20s or high-20s.
0: Do you think that he could have asked for the the Cody CC $6 million in arbitration if he hit 40 goals?
1: I mean, why not? Like Goal scoring is tough to come by. We saw... I mean, this is a totally different scenario with Jeff Skinner, who had a massive season with the Sabres, but he hit that high goal mark, and He got paid handsomely. I mean, he's much more experienced and has a goal-scoring ability that is shown throughout in Carolina, but you can at least use that to say, look, this guy scored this much, I scored this much, so you can get kind of close to that in negotiations or at least try to. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Anthony Declair and a bunch of the other restricted free agents on this
0: roster. I'm most interested in Ron Hainsey. I was shocked when they signed him and I'll be shocked if they keep him past the deadline as we get into the clash where we discuss which senator should stay and go as we approach the NHL's trade deadline coming up very soon not this Monday but the next February 24th we'll find out the answer to this today it's Ron Hainsey i already mentioned i think he's got to go to make room for uh you know some young kids and most notably Christian Willannon who um, we'll get into him later, but um, as he gets back healthy, I think there needs to be a spot for him on the blue line. Th- my opinion could change now that Boros out, but if you keep him, it's not the worst as long as you do not resign him. You don't need to do that. Yeah, I agree,
1: Ross. And when you're a rebuilding team, looking to resign a 38-year-old defenseman doesn't really make a lot of sense in my eyes. The one thing I'm worried about, though, is he is one of DJ Smith's guys. I'm sure it was a big impact of his decision, Ron Hainsey, to sign in Ottawa, knowing that DJ Smith uh, was the head coach there, and I know they have some good chemistry. So that worries me a little bit that we may get into a situation where we did with Guy Boucher, where the coach gets uh, whatever players he thinks are most valuable to him and the team. And especially, like you said, there's guys like Willine and And think, especially if they're going to sign Hainsey to more than a one-year deal, he's just blocking further guys like JBD, Lassie Thompson, Eric Brandstrom, and the list goes on. So... Personally, I don't think it's a good idea to trade Hainsey. I'm not sure what you would get for him at the deadline. And I don't think he would be as much of a sweetener as a guy like uh, Max Verano would be. So maybe that's a guy that you look to just to get one of those fourth or fifth round picks back. Because you know he's not really going to do much for you going forward in this season when you're rebuilding and not contending anyways. And there's lots of teams that would be interested in having him on their third A guy with as much wealth of experience as Hainsey He's a cup winner He's proven that he can still get it done I mean, he had five blocked shots tonight So that's pretty good for a guy his age Especially with Boro going down He had to step up and uh, put the body out a little more Than he would probably like So, final decision I think Sen's got to trade
0: Ron Hainsey Should he stay or should he go? He should go I love that you mentioned like Coach's favorite Did you see what I tweeted out today when the Sens released their lines?
1: No, let's hear it.
0: It's obviously from our Twitter account, at Sens Central. Well, the fifth line at practice today was Mikel Bodker at center in between Bobby Ryan and Scott Sabrin. I said, game on the line. Who would you prefer out on the ice? Bodker, Sabrin, Ryan? Or three of Guy Boucher's absolute favorite players, the Burroughs, Thompson, and Pyatt line?
1: Well, quick question, Ross. If game on the line, does that mean a shootout? Because we all remember Tom Pyatt, the shootout specialist. So if it's a shootout, then I got to go with that line. But otherwise, we all know how I feel about Burroughs. It was not pleased with him coming over, and I don't even want to get into some of the – uh the terms and accusations you, you coined when uh, the Sens acquired Burroughs as well so I'm gonna go with uh, Bodker Saburn and Bogi.
0: The early days of the Sens central account <laughs> where it all was just full tilt all the time as I'm trying to uh, as I'm trying to stall here I'm trying to find, tom Pyatt's shootout record in his career but i'm it's not probably having-
1: not even that good i think he just had a couple good attempts and then boucher just coined the term that he was a shootout
0: specialist so he ran with it i love it but i just remember a few of those shootout goals were to beat the toronto maple leafs in the posts or in uh to finish off games and the toronto maple leafs who happened to be the Ottawa Sanders next opponent. We got to get the battle of Ontario back guys. We got to at least talk some smack over the Toronto Maple Leafs and their failure. You know, it's been since 2004 since they've won a playoff round. No, no matter how much they go through this rebuild that hasn't changed. And I don't see it changing pills. You got to get off. Uh, you got to get to the playoffs to win around in the playoffs. And this loss to Dallas for the Leafs, uh, Pushes them to only six wins in their last fifteen games. Uh, that's not really a good way to make the playoffs, is it?
1: Well, no. But I think uh, they're probably not going to start Jack Campbell three games in a row in the playoffs. So they're definitely happy to have Freddie Anderson back. And now He's that Michael Hutchinson, yeah, I mean, first game back in a while. And Dallas is a solid team, so that'll happen. But Michael Hutchinson put on waivers, so. That's that's the end of the Hotchison era, which I'm sure Lee's fans are pretty happy about.
0: Nice. I I just uh, Google searched Tom Pyatt shootout. and two things came up. One Pyatt shootout winner against, you guessed it, Freddie Anderson and the <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs. The second one was the link to a bar down article that the title is Guy Boucher explains why he never watches shootouts. what he oh, does yeah. on the bench instead. <laughs>
1: I miss, I miss those days. I thought I, I actually like that move by Boucher not watching the shootouts cuz all it's going to do is frustrate you as a coach. You can't you have no control over. It. You just let the guys do whatever move they're most confident. So why bother looking? Just wait for the crowd's reaction.
0: Guy Boucher passing on blame for using Tom Pyatt. Here's a direct quote to Mark Masters in this article. The goalie coach kept telling me, "Gee, he's the best." So I'm not <laughs> smart because I could have done it before. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man, G. Boucher, what a what a legend!
0: I love when uh, there's every once in a while there's a clip that comes across the uh, the wire on Twitter. Um, he's doing like analyst work in in uh, Quebec, and yep, uh, my French is come see come ça But I always uh, I always make sure to watch those clips because I always liked listening to them talk hockey. But he had a little trouble uh, getting an extended look. Uh, Before we go, we got to mention another thing that Bruce Garriock said uh, at intermission, and that's that very unlikely that Craig Anderson is traded. We talked at length about that. Um, We won't get into it right now. But what I will say is that he said it's likely when that happens that Marcus Hogberg goes back to Belleville, then pushing one of the, the duo that's played so well in Belleville all the way down to Brampton, which means two things. One, Pilsy, we can probably get an interview going. And two, (laughs) somebody's going to get screwed here. And he said it's most likely going to be Philip Gustafson that goes down. I just don't know why you'd do it. I I think it'd be a shame based on how Marcus Hogberg's played this year, how he's on a one-way contract next year. How do you not just let him finish out the season? These games don't matter.
1: Yeah, if if that ends up happening, I, I was pretty upset when I heard that was uh, Gary Ock's, uh opinion that he thought Ottawa's best goalie. Like, let's face it, Hogberg has been their best goalie. And although if you look at his record, 14 games started and only two wins seems terrible. But look at all those OT losses. And he's keeping the Sens in games. Uh, tonight, he made a couple... Um, string of combo saves in a row on a bunch of guys to keep the sends in this game and give them the the win. So uh, when you're facing a, a three headed monster of uh, goalies with the NHL team, it's always difficult. But if you're building towards years of unparalleled success, why in the world would you uh, block your number one prospect goalie? I mean, maybe he's not the, has the highest ceiling, but he's definitely the most NHL ready in this organization as far as goalie prospects go. Why would you block him and send him back down to the American Hockey League when he's proving to be better than both of your veteran NHL goalies and Craig Anderson doesn't even have a contract with you next season? So that's just mind-boggling to me. And we had years and years of frustration with uh, – Ottawa centre goalie prospects being blocked by guys like Condon Hammond. And, and it was driving me nuts. So I would, I think I'd pull my hair out if we got to another situation where, again, Marcus Hogberg is doing everything right. And he just doesn't get the time and the appreciation he deserves.
0: Wow. And you're already starting to get thin up there. So that's saying something. If you're willing to pull <laughs> out a few extra, a few extra threads. Um, we mentioned Wolan and he will play on Friday. Pillsy. But not on Saturday. Yeah.
1: No. And I think that's the right move. Like with Christian Wallinen, you've seen a decent sample size of what he can do. It's just injuries have really uh, slowed him down. So I don't think there's any reason to push him playing back to back nights, especially when Belleville's doing this good. With the Boro injury, it, it's probably inevitable that uh, Andreas Englund, he just got sent back down to Belleville recently. He's probably going to get the bounce back up to the NHL, which is fine. So. I don't think you need to play one in back-to-back games, so why push it?
0: Yeah, completely agree. I'm just excited to see him back in the lineup. I know you and I will be back at CAA Arena for the last couple of games of the month, the Saturday and and the Wednesday coming up. So looking forward to getting back in the atmosphere. It was the long road trip for Belleville, and then it just hasn't worked out for our schedules to be down there uh, working the game. So excited to get back there with you. Um, In the meantime... I know you're all following us on Twitter at Send Central, where we tweet out our tank watch every day. We're going to tweet out the standings, the Tankathon that we're about to get to, and what games are implicated in the lottery race that night. Electric. Yeah, that's called making content out of a bad, bad season. Without further ado... I mean, what helps, though, out of the bad season is there's two picks right now. Like, it's one thing if we're doing this just for one pick. But the fact that San Jose's is in the mix does make it pretty fun, I got to say. So, Pilsy, uh, do us the honors here. Give us the Tankathon spin.
1: All right, here we go, Ross. You're not going to like this. Ottawa picking sixth and seventh. I mean, it, I don't think it gets much worse than that. So, we're going to have to do better than that, but... I know both the Sens and the Sharks, I think are going to tank a lot harder. So we're going to see those odds go way up as the season continues, especially if the devils keep winning games.
0: So that means that sixth just hit double digits. The first uh, location in the standings to hit double digits and seventh, your other pick right here, uh, just hit nine. It's actually the second most common, which I don't think is a great sign, but Hey, that's what it is. I should mention that right now the, the lottery odds are Ottawa third best chance, San Jose's pick fifth best chance. As I give it a spin, and the San Jose pick moves up two to third place, and Ottawa's down one to four. Third and fourth. I don't think that's a combination we've had yet, but I wouldn't mind it one bit.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't mind it either. And but if you get into a situation like that, I mean. Maybe one of those picks are in play and you want to move up a little just to try to get a more high-impact guy. I'm not sure, but this is going to be a draft for the ages for the centers. And I don't know about you, but I would say this draft pretty much sets up how the years of unparalleled success are going to go, whether they're going to be
0: parallel or unparalleled to the way to success. Wow, that's just clip that. That just gets the people fired up. Maybe we should get into the, the RSU Toronto group. And uh, or see uh, out of our listeners that are in Toronto, like game seven. And if you're a listener of this show and you're a Sens fan in Toronto, you were probably with us at the what what bar was it? I forget. I actually just saw a video on my
1: phone. It was a memory of that night, which I, I don't want many memories. And I didn't. Have yeah, many the end memories was bad because uh, that was a rough one for us. But uh, that was a good time. And to see that many Sens fans in the heart of enemy territory was a fun day. If only it had turned out different, it would be a lot better. But, uh, yeah, we definitely got to get that going again.
0: Well, no, what I was going to say, and it doesn't matter the place, but what matters was it was Game 7 of the East Conference Final 2017, fill an entire bar with Sens fans. And I feel like the, the, the draft itself might be one of those days. Yeah, like, oh, it, for sure. It's, it's that big a moment. in in Sen's history. And you know where the draft is, eh, Pilsy? Like, we might have to get the road trip going. And I know the draft might not be the best thing to see live, but if you have two picks in the top 10, and then you hit the town in Montreal on Friday, June 26th, it could be worse.
1: That's actually a good call. I mean, I joked uh, a couple episodes ago trying to get the Habs fans going that Ilya Kovalchuk was probably a little bored in Montreal after coming to L.A., but Montreal in the summer is a great time, so maybe we'll make that road trip.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something to keep in mind as we wrap up the Locked On Senators podcast. The Sens are back in action, as we mentioned, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Who, yeah, if you have a Leafs friend, 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 fan, let them know if the Toronto Maple Leafs are 25th in the league in goals against, and say you that's your cup contender. Yikes! Anyways, after that, it's continuation of the four-game, five-game wow homestand for the Senders. I'm heading to Ottawa. Hit me up if you're going to the game on either Sunday or Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday, Chris Phillips retirement night. We're going to be back well before that. We're actually going to be back to preview the Battle of Ontario Saturday morning parley and i will do that and for Pilsy out west i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day